I'm Josh, and my mission is simple. I teach tens of thousands of home service business owners like you how to grow a profitable seven-figure business. Every week, I deliver mind bombs and systems designed to help you gain mastery over marketing, admin, production, and sales inside your company. Each week, I'll open up the vault so you can finally take hold of the life and business you deserve. There is only one thing between where you are today and where you want to be, and that is the growth you're willing to endure. You're in the right place. Welcome to The Growth Vault. Hey, my friends, welcome back to The Growth Vault podcast, or maybe you're watching this video on Facebook because I recorded a video podcast. I don't normally do that. Today is a special day. This is part two uh, of a special series with Kevin. He's a pricing and human psychology expert. Uh, and I'm just going to get right into it. And now I have a long drawn out intro. Kevin, we talked about the meaning of pricing and how we get in this rabbit, this hamster wheel, and we're just surviving. And we don't even stop to think, you know what? Maybe I could tweak one little piece of my business and triple or quadruple my profit. Maybe I don't need to hire another employee to hit my financial goals this year. Maybe I need to adjust my pricing and how profit is for sanity and revenues for vanity. We talked about all that. This segment, you wanted to talk about mistakes. What do you mean by mistakes? Go ahead and take it away. Okay. So um, there is so much confusion about how to price effectively that what usually happens is that as service-based entrepreneurs, we fall into one of the seven most common pricing mistakes in our attempts to price our stuff at you know any level above zero just trying to figure out what we should price, we fall into one of seven um, basically erroneous formulas that we default to that result in the price that we currently have to the, are bringing to the market. And in this segment, I'm excited to share with you seven, the seven most common pricing mistakes. But to kind of prepare our discussion of those seven, you need to understand one other thing first, which is going to sound really weird if you've never heard this sentence before. But I'm gonna. So here it goes. Uh, the correct price for your services is a unicorn. The correct price for your services is a unicorn. And when I say unicorn, I mean it is imaginary. There is no such thing as the correct price for anything on this planet. And just to kind of drive that home, I want to um, just do a quick little example or two. Josh, I see. What are you wearing there? You're wearing a jacket, a black jacket. It's a Greg Norman shark something puffy coat jacket. It's my favorite little jacket. A, a Greg Norman shark puffy coat jacket. <laughs> what is the correct? What is the correct price for a black puffy coat jacket? Well, these I can't find these anymore. But I can tell you right now, if I found a new one, I'd pay five hundred bucks for it. And I'm not just saying that for the podcast, I could bring my wife in here. This is something I can't find. I want it very badly and it does not exist anymore. I can't find it on eBay. I have two of them. They're identical, but they're getting worn out because I wear them all the time. Okay. So you didn't answer my question. What's the, so you just told me what you're willing to spend. You're spending uh, what's the correct price? I don't Or a know. black puffy jack. Right. You don't know. Like it depends, right? Yeah. What was the puffy jacket from, you know, Walmart? Was it from uh, I don't know. I Amazon? think no, I think it was from like uh maybe a No, no, no. I'm just oh. no, I'm speaking theoretic. I'm saying theoretically. Oh, got it, got it, theoretically. Got it, got it. 
<laughs> I don't mean your. I don't mean. I don't think Walmart sells five hundred dollar puffy jackets. I don't think. So. <laughs> no, this is probably like just a fifty dollar normal jacket, but I just can't find it anymore, and it makes me sad. I'm saying. Oh, okay, I got it's, you. It's not a high end piece of clothing. It's a normal piece of clothing that I can't get anymore. Okay, I got you. So that's even a whole other fascinating thing. Is and we're <laughs> going to talk about that when we get into mastery. You're illuminating. Uh, what really happens when it comes to pricing in, in one particular area. So we'll come back to that in mastery. But um, I mean, there is puffy jackets that are, you know, you said it's 50 bucks brand new, probably that thing. I mean, if it was a Chanel puffy jacket, it would be probably $1,200. Yeah. You know, if, if it was a, you know, Calvin Klein puffy jacket, if it was a Dolce and Gabbana, if it was a Versace, if it was, you know, any kind of crazy designer thing, it'd be through the roof. But there's also puffy jackets at Walmart for 50 bucks. So what is the correct price for a puffy jacket? Well, the answer is it doesn't exist. There's no such thing. It depends on what you get from the puffy jacket and what you actually are looking for mm. in a puffy jacket. Right. So once we remember, once we realize that, like there's no such thing as the correct price for a piece of software. There's no such thing as the correct price for somebody to come mow their lawn. There's no such thing as the correct price for someone to clean your windows or to power wash your driveway or to fix your plumbing. You know, it doesn't exist. There's no such thing as the correct price for a car or a cup of coffee or a steak, you know, or a seat on an airplane. There's no such thing as the correct price. So that's the that's the foundation that we need to build on. And once you once you embrace that reality, well, I already I know on, what what the listeners are thinking is they're thinking time and materials plus a margin, right? So, well, washing is supposed to be you know this much power for profit, and then everybody's kind of in the same pack, right? Complete hogwash. Complete hogwash. Yeah. So let's illuminate the hogwash a little bit. Let's shine a light on the hogwash. Um, there's an acronym that's very helpful. So if you're listening to this or watching this, do you have a piece of paper in front of you? I want you to write this down vertically down the left side of your notepad. And the, the acronym right. is the acronym is TIMID AF. TIMID AF. T-I-M-I-D. <laughs> Yeah. Now I don't know. Is this, is this a family friendly <laughs> podcast, or do we swear? I, I don't know if we're going to swear on this. But. No, it's definitely family friendly. But okay, I think so you guys, line. That's why you I guys can read. You can read between the lines. Timid AF. So the truth is, most of us are timid AF when it comes to our pricing because we're falling into seven mistakes, and it just so happens the seven make up this acronym. So here's mistake number one: time. The T stands for time. We charge based on time. Mm. So if a job, so we look at a job and we think to ourselves, okay, it's going to take me X amount of hours to finish this job. Therefore, the price is Y. That's time getting in, inside of our heads. Your customer does not care how much time it takes. In fact, they would prefer that you would hurry the hell up. Like they would prefer that you get it done as quickly as possible for them. And they will happily pay you a premium if you would do it faster and if you would raise your own hourly rate by doing it faster. 
So time is the wrong way to calculate the price of what it is that we're bringing to the market because your customer does not care. It is irrelevant to them. It goes back to the Benjamin Franklin quote in a previous episode that we talked about. Uh, Yeah. We associate time with money when really time is uh, immeasurably and infinitely more valuable than money. It's certainly not equal to money. Um, But that's what we do. We attach our dollar hour amount to everything. I mean, in, 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 you know, to play contrarian, some customers do care, right? What's really ironic about this, and maybe they're just the wrong customer, but this week, one of the guys in our Conquer program that I work with named Colin, what's up, Colin? He had a customer get really mad because it only took his guys like two hours to do this $1,800 job. And the guy agreed to it. They signed, you know, he, he did it. And then because it was so quick, the guy like sent them this nasty email, like, how dare you, you know, take advantage of me. It only took them two hours. This is outrageous. You're charging me this much. So those situations do exist in fairness, do they not? Yeah. So his name's Colin, your, yeah. your client, your customer. Yeah. That happened to Colin. So Colin, he's a, he's not timid. Yeah. He, he just told the guy to go pound sand. He's like, listen, bro, we're fast because of this and this and this, this is the price move on. So it's not a big deal, but I think people yeah, are good. scared. So Colin that, owned it. Yeah. yeah Co- Colin is, I mean, I coach Colin, so he's selling, he's having record months. He's killing it. I mean, killing it. I think he'll do over 300,000 this month. Um, Amazing. But I think a lot of uh, listeners are scared that if they charge these exorbitant prices, it almost feels like you have to just stay on the job site longer to like pretend like you're working just to make it feel what I mean. I mean, I I understand that. Yeah. So that's what that's going to come up. That? In that. So that's actually another letter in the acronym. You know that what's really happening when we when we feel I better hang around this job site a little bit longer. Yeah. Um, but it, but it makes up. Colin's example is a great example, and it illuminates the fact that the first sale must always be to ourselves. Mm. And I didn't make up that. I mean, I didn't. I'm not the first guy to say that. I stole that from somebody else. I forget who I stole it from. Might have been Jay Abraham. But, you know, the first sale has to, we have to believe, Colin has to believe that there is nothing wrong with him being able to to generate 900 bucks an hour with his team, you know, as a team. Um, And to go one step further, there's nothing wrong with Colin making, you know, $25,000 for an hour of work. That's like the next level for Colin. And maybe he's already there. And for all of us, you know, like, yeah. the more, yeah. So, but that's where we want to get to. So, so that's like the destination we want to get to when it comes to um, time. Is that we are okay with any with any kind? But there's no upper limit on our hourly rate when it comes to um, our our comfort level of generating it. Yeah, one of and my the we, guys I look up to is a business hero. His name's Peter J. Daniels. There's not a lot of content on him on YouTube, but Australian businessman, crazy story. He once charged a dollars for 15 minutes, um, but he generated his client $10 million during that 15 minutes. And so it's all relative. Yeah, that's right. But I mean, that, so that guy is like, he's under, he understands that time is not how you calculate fees. Like he was obsessed yeah. on the deliverable, right? He was obsessed on what the client got. So he was, he felt great. Yeah. And I think one of the first times you and I crossed paths was also 
around that book that I wrote, six hundred dollars an hour. Where yeah. um where I and the, the title of that book came from a seminar I did in, in Rhode Island in Providence in 2007, where I had everybody in the, in the room repeat after me, it's okay for me to earn six hundred dollars an hour. You know, like just just saying that is kind of liberating. Like it's okay. It doesn't make me a bad person to make a thousand dollars an hour. Like I can still be a great dad and a great husband and a great, you know, neighbor and a God-fearing human and just a warm-hearted person and make ten thousand dollars for twenty minutes of work. Yeah. You know? So that's part of it. Yeah. I agree, but it, it is it is hard to get there depending on yeah. what your environment and frame is. You know, everybody's yeah. in a different spot, but for me, it was tough, man, because you associate success and wealth with being dirty or doing something wrong, which is couldn't be further from the truth. But, you know, that's the battle. So, sorry, keep going. This is yeah. totally awesome and fascinating. <laughs> Loving it. All right. So the second die, if you have your note in front of you, the second die is internal costs. Internal costs. So we talked about time. The second eye is internal costs. So that's basically pricing based on what you're going to have to cough up to make it happen. So again, what will happen is that we'll say, well, it's going to cost me, you know, for my guys, $480 to get this job done. Therefore, I'm going to charge, you know, 630 You know, right. or I'm going to charge whatever. Like, I'm just going to, I'm going to make sure it's above 480 no matter what. But right. <laughs> what after, you right. know? But after that, (laughs) yeah, yeah. so uh, again, this is a problem because what will happen is that you will have opportunities to do business where your costs are zero and it, it will mess with you because you'll start to feel guilty pricing it effectively. And this is a great example. This is actually why I secretly hate bottled water, but the markup on bottled water is approximately a thousand percent. And one third of all the bottled water that's on the grocery stores where you and I go every day and the listeners go is from municipal sources, a.k.a. tap water. It's a damn (laughs) tap water. This one is. There you go. So it's municipal sources, you know. We're a bunch of idiots. Uh, Source, public water supply, Dallas, Texas. There you go. So there's, there's, a, there's a factory in Dallas with a big tap on the wall and millions of little plastic bottles and they're filling them up and dummies like you and me, you know, we're buying them for whatever, up to a dollar, dollar fifty each. There's like a thousand percent mark, like not a, no, sorry, not thousand percent markup. It's a thousand times what it costs them that they're selling it for. So whatever that is, a hundred thousand percent markup, you know, anyway, so. We have to let go of whatever our costs are that we're assuming because it messes with our ability to price effectively and to, and to maximize our profit. So that's why this is part of the acronym. This is the second mistake we make. We allow mm-hmm. internal costs to mess with our heads and to yep. influence what price we bring to the market. Yeah. 100%, man. I mean, I'm thinking contractors or builders, you know, because they have the material cost plus a percentage they mark it up. And it's hard baked in. That's how they do it, right? They, that's what they do. That's what they do. That's what they do. So please allow me and Josh to challenge you to stop doing that and to recognize that's a mistake you've been making. And it's not your fault. You just haven't been taught otherwise. To be honest, 
I mean, you and I have talked about this, Josh. Nobody teaches this stuff. Like nobody educates us as to how to properly, effectively, powerfully price from a place of love. Nope. All we do is we we just learn it through osmosis, through you know what other guys do that have come before us, and then the same bad habits and bad behaviors and bad formulas just get like passed down as legacy when all of it's bogus and none of it is helping any of us. Mm. Yeah, powerful. All right, so let's keep going with this acronym. The next letter is M. So we've talked about time. We've talked about internal costs. For the acronym TIMID AF, the M stands for market rates. Market rates. So this is what your competition charges. Market rates. And it's very easy to say, well, if I'm power washing a driveway and the other five guys in my town are charging $229 for driveways, then I got to be around $229. You know, or if we're feeling cocky, we could be like, we charge $249. You know, and like we're the most ex- <laughs> we're the most expensive one in town, and I don't care if they don't want to spend it because I'm the most expensive, and we do this dumb little like, like whatever. Um, <laughs> but it's like we're still basically a victim of the competition. So what you all were doing is allowing the competition to determine our rates, right? Which is not which is not necessary. It's not relevant. It's a really irrelevant. Bugatti doesn't give it. But it, but it feels very relevant. I'm just going to continue to play devil's advocate because Good. Please do. on behalf Please of the do. people, I mean, they got bills to pay, employees to feed, a gap to close. That's what we call, you know, your goal this week is this much revenue, but you only have this much schedule. There's a gap. There's pressure. There's fear. Most people don't have yeah. enough lead flow. And so they want the job so bad, right? And, and all this is going in their head. And they know if these guys are doing $229 driveways, and they come in at 600 or 400 or whatever, they're basically just screwed, right? I mean, and I know later you'll get in more of how to do this the right way so that you'll still close those jobs, even though you're three times the price. But what would you yeah. say to someone that's thinking that? Well, yeah, I could be the most expensive, but I, you can't be crazy with it. There has to be re- within reason, Kevin. What would you say to someone saying that? I would say I agree. And that's why Bugattis are not $38 million each. They're only $3 million each. <laughs> you know, like there is, like there is an upper limit. That is you such know? a good answer. Hat tip to that, dude, that was money. Oh my gosh. <laughs> but it's true of everything, right? And that's why private jets are only 50, $80 million. They're not a billion. Like there is a limit. And that's why even the biggest wow. yachts in the world. Well, it's funny because what you're doing is you're, you know, maybe this is for one of your other sections because we didn't want to overwhelm everybody. We're going to break this into multiple parts, but price by comparison changes everything. When you can compare 30 million to 3 million, 3 million is a bargain. But when you compare 229 up to your 400, now you look bad, right? We need to compare your 400 to something bigger. I'm sorry. Just delete what I just said if it's going to rabbit. <laughs> Uh, but the point is, yeah, so the, your your listener is right if they think, well, Kevin, you can't go crazy. No, don't go crazy. And I never want you to be crazy. I never want you to be greedy. I never want you to do something that you feel is, you know, slippery or snake oily or that you're screwing somebody over. It's not about that. It's about realizing that what your competition charges is irrelevant unless, unless you are selling the exact, sing, the exact thing as them. 
So if you are a little Easter egg, a little clue for some upcoming stuff. Yeah. So unless like if you're selling app, if it truly is apples to apples and the guy next door selling them for a buck for a shiny granny Smith, you know, freshly polished, crunchy apple, and you're selling a shiny granny Smith, freshly polished, crunchy apple for two bucks, then you're a jerk, you know, and you're dumb to think that you'll ever be able to succeed. Like if it is apples to apples, then you have a, you are a commodity. That's what they call you, a commodity. And of course, what we're going to be diving into, especially around mastery, is to decommoditize you by turning you into a pomegranate, you know, so that you can't be compared to the apple game. Any Like let those other five guys be the apples. You bring a pomegranate to the, to the party instead. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And that way you're, you're liberated because there is no, there's no comparison. Yep. No comparison whatsoever. And actually, I would love to use another example in this that just crossed my mind. That's perfect as a as a illustration sure. of this. Cirque du Soleil. So, have you been to a Cirque du Soleil show, Josh? Yes, I have in Vegas once. Which one did you go to? They had lots the water of one? like. Oh. No, I didn't, I, didn't, I didn't see that one. Okay. It was like they're on all these old-fashioned machines and these weird bicycles, and I, I can't remember what it was called. That's okay. That's okay. So, But you've been to them. They're, they're these weird, bizarre experiences, Yeah, super right? bizarre. Yeah. Super bizarre. So when the guy who started Cirque du Soleil, whatever it was, 25 years ago, I forget. His name's Guy La Liberté. He's from Quebec, Canada. Um, he looked at the circus mar- circus landscape. And the other circuses that were traveling all over the world, you know, putting on shows and putting up tents and like selling tickets and entertaining people. And he thought, you know, what is the most expensive part of all of these circuses out there? And do you remember what it was? I'm assuming it's logistics and travel. Uh, Close. Think of a typical circus. One more thing that would be even more expensive than logistics and travel. When it comes to the maintenance and care. Animals. And like animals. Like animals are a killer. A profit destroyer for circuses. Because you got to <laughs> buy the elephants and the tigers and the, you know, the bears. You got to train oh, them. and Feeding them. You got to feed them and you got to clean up their poop. And you got to. Like if somebody gets hurt, you got to pay for all of that. And you got crazy insurance and, you know, like it's insane. And Guy La Liberté said, what if we got rid of the most expensive thing? What if we scrapped the most expensive thing? And what if we mixed in some acrobats and some clowns and some singing in a gibberish language that doesn't exist? <laughs> and by the way, totally reasonable. <laughs> Totally reasonable. And what if we charge more than any other circus on the planet for this weird thing that doesn't include the most expensive thing? Whew, that sounds like a great business model. And he put, and he did it, and the rest of us gave him billions of our dollars to go to <laughs> silly, weird shows. You know, literally. And uh, I don't know if you knew this about the songs. Like every song you've ever heard of the Cirque du Soleil is, is a gibberish language. Like I did not know language. that. It's on purpose, like so they can perform it. But it is performed, like it has a script. But it's gibberish, and it's it's performed gibberish around the world so that nobody knows what's actually being sung. Yeah, wow. so it's it's fascinating. But that's a great example where where he did not care about market rates and he did not care about um, 
desired profit, right? It didn't get in his head. He didn't care that his costs were low. That didn't interfere with his ability to charge high. Mm -hmm. So there's That's another beautiful. little uh, ins inspiring awesome. example for us. Yeah. If you, want to, if you want to learn more about them, pick up a book called Blue Ocean Strategy. Mm -hmm. It's real. It's featured heavily in that book as an example of uh, innovation. Okay. Okay. Uh, the next, the next uh, letter of the acronym TIMID AF is what are we at? Desired. We oh, have no, the T second, for the time, I, I for internal I. costs, M for market rates, and another I. Okay. The other I is insecurities. Insecurities. So where this shows up in particular is when we are new in business or even new-ish or maybe new in town. You know, so we move, we open up a new market and we think to ourselves, you know what? Uh, I just need to get some clients under my belt. I need to get some wins. I need some testimonials. And eventually I'm going to raise my prices and get to a place where I can charge what it is that I'm I think I can actually get away with charging and still please people at a high level. So again, that's in our head. You know, all of those insecurities are irrelevant. Your customer does not care. Your customer is not aware of them. They do not impact the experience of the customer unless you let it impact the experience of the customer. And they can destroy your ability to create profit quickly out of the gate. Mm. Insecurities are brutal. Mm -hmm. And once we're given space again, when, when some tools to overcome them, like magic can happen. And I want to give you a quick example of that in the recent past. I had a tattoo artist come to me for some help. And uh, she was new in the tattoo field. And she, I mean, she's covered in tattoos. So she loves tattoos. And she finally got into the, the work of becoming the person that tattoos other people. And she specialized in micro pigmentation which is like the small little dots. And she focused on guys that were going bald. So guys that are going bald, you know, you can get micro pigmentation. She'll do, you can do like thousands of little dots all over your head mm -hmm. to make it look like you have hair growth. And it's amazing. Mm. Yeah. I've seen that. It's, I've seen that on like TikTok yeah. and it's, it is really pretty yeah. awesome. It's pretty awesome. You know what I mean? To practice, you have to do it on like melons. You know, you have to tattoo melons to make sure you get like, you learn the patterns and that you don't, make it look like a, a Barbie doll, like a Ken doll head. You did put the dots in the wrong places or too far <laughs> apart or whatever. So there is some like, there's a, there's a lot of technique and specialization and anyway, so, but she was new and uh, she was charging 500 bucks a head and it took two sessions to get the, the treatment completed. And she was actually very happy making 500 bucks, you know, over two sessions you know, because she knew of the impact it was creating for the guy. Like these men would be completely different creatures at the end of her, of her service for them because they would walk into rooms, you know, a little bit more tall guys are really insecure about hair a lot. Not every guy that's, that's balding, but a lot of guys are really frustrated and instant plagued by it. And she saw that with her boyfriend, like she, she did it to her boyfriend or her boyfriend had it done. Sorry, not by her. And she saw him like, blossom into the guy that she was when she met him. Like he returned to who he truly was anyway. So that, that inspired her. Um, so I helped her and I coached her through that and I helped her, you know, reevaluate the impact of her work on the client and the transformation and what made it 
you know, special, her particular handling of these people in, in that scenario and the unique gifts and skills that she brought to the interaction and the result. And the short version is that um, I said, it is obvious to me, her name is Hien, H-I-E-N, that you could instantly triple your prices. Uh, sorry, I, I'm going to, I said that wrong. You could add 300%. You could quadruple your prices mm. without any resistance from the market. That's my prediction. All it takes is for you to have the courage to step up and do that, even though you're brand new. <laughs> and she trusted me enough to go for it. And within three days, she texted me and she said, oh, my God, I just had I just sold my first head at two thousand dollars. And then three days later, oh. another one, two thousand dollars. And then three days later, another one, two thousand dollars. And then another one, two thousand dollars. And I caught up with her a couple months ago. She's actually a neighbor of mine. She lives in the same condo as me. And uh, she said that she's at 2,500 now ahead. Wow. You know, once she, but, it be, but the thing that was the block for her, the resistance was the second I in the acronym TIMID AF. She had insecurities around her newness. And it was screwing with her ability. It's powerful. You know, it was messing with her ability to figure out what she actually could be happily charging. And by, her, by the way, her clients love her and refer people to her. So nobody feels ripped off. Nobody feels screwed over by her. Quite the opposite. Oh. Quite the opposite. Yeah. I don't, I can't, think of any, I, I can't think of anything to add to it. I mean, honestly, that's why I'm being quiet because you just articulated it really good. I'm enjoying it. I'm taking a lot of notes. So go ahead and keep going. Cool. Okay. So let's talk about the D. Timid AF. D. D stands for desired profit. Desired profit. So it's similar from the um, the first I, internal cost, but a little different. I'll tell you how it's different. Is that desired profit crops up when we apply a formula of profit on top of whatever our costs are. So when we say, okay, our costs are $480, I, because I read a book on profit first and about expenses and all that stuff, I am adding 33% to every one of my costs so that I'm guaranteeing myself 33% profit, you know, or, or I want to make $800 on every time my, my guys pull over and do any job. I want the company to make $800 on top of cost of goods sold, you know? Right. Right. To yeah. Totally bogus, totally imaginary, not at all relevant to what's possible or what's real for the client. Yeah. So another major, major, very so, common so issue. Are, are you saying, though, but what, I mean, what if their desired profit's really big or whatever? I mean, are you, are you, yeah. is what you're saying that you shouldn't have a, you shouldn't limit yourself with an industry standard predetermined profit. You should be pursuing what maximum profit possible is, not necessarily the industry standard. Is that what you're saying? Okay. Thank you for clarifying that. I'm so happy you said that. So yes, that number that they have in their head is the minimum viable price they need to charge to you know, keep the lights on, let's say, to keep the business solvent. But that is only the starting point. That in no way should be a limitation. But in reality, in practice, it becomes the limitation. It becomes the artificial manufactured barrier to the profit that's really on the table and available to them. It, it reminds me of the story of the, the lady who cut the ends off of her ham before she would bake it. 
right? Or cook a ham, like an Easter ham. And uh, her mom would cut it. And so her kids asked her one day, why do you cut off the ends of the ham? She said, well, because you're supposed to. And then they said, why? And she said, you know, I don't know. So she called her mom and said, mom, why do you cut off the ends of the ham? (laughs) And then she's like, I don't know. So they called grandma and grandma said, well, the reason we cut off the ends of the ham is because we were so poor. I only had one size pan and the ham wouldn't fit in the pan. Point being, we just do stuff because we, we we're on autopilot, right? So if if you're supposed to do cost plus 20% or 33%, we, most people don't think ever even really think about this stuff. They just. Oh, exactly. Exactly. And if we're in some kind of like forum or Facebook group with other guys that do the same stuff as us, you know, other cleaners or landscapers or painters and, right. you know, and they, and they all tell us that they're doing 28% on top, you know, Right. And they're bragging and we've, and we are doing 38% or we're averaging that. Then we feel great. We feel like we're winning. Right. Like we feel like the big dog and we don't realize that we are, we're destroying our own potential to actually create wealth for ourselves because we're, it's just an imaginary nonsensical limitation. That's irrelevant to the client. So we got time, internal costs, market rates, your competition, we have insecurities because maybe you're new or you don't feel experienced enough. And then we have, you know, a predetermined profit, you know, a desired profit. Now we get to the AF part. So timid AF. <laughs> What's yes. the A for? So, okay. So the A is for assumptions. Assumptions. And what I mean is assumptions about spending capacity of the client. Mm, this is very true. We do this. We do this and we say they, they can't afford it. They don't have the budget for it. There's no way in hell they would pay X. And we assume instead of allowing the market to decide what it's willing to pay. And that's usually a proje- function of a projection, you know, because we would never spend that certain amount. Well, that was one of my problems with my my cleaning service, actually, is I don't think I was probably my own demographic. Right. We started charging a lot more. I was thinking to myself, like, I would never pay this to have someone wash my house. However, people all day would hire us to do that and thank us and shake our hand and give our guys a tip and give us a five-star review. And I'm sitting here going, why would you do that? And, And sometimes these people's homes weren't even dirty. And they're like, thank you. So, because they have this irrational OCD thing yes, going on. Yes, and, and they're yes. thankful to pay $1,000 to <laughs> squirt water on their siding. It's fascinating. Uh, it's fascinating. I've had clients before I began, when I used to have a cleaning company, before I started cleaning the windows of, their, of the building, they thanked me for such an amazing job because it looked so clean. And I hadn't actually cleaned anything yet because they weren't that dirty. They were just one of these OCD people who just, yeah. they had to spend money on cleaning to feel good about their life and about their reality. Oh, so, interesting. okay. So it's, it's yeah. Assumptions. So this comes up a lot, especially with, um, especially with organizations that are either public or that are large that we're trying to do business with. We might say they, they only have a budget that's 50,000 or 80,000 or 180,000. You know, they've never spent more than that. They never will. Yeah. Um, not, I mean, that's not a true. fair point. What do you do with that? Well, it's not true. They would never spend that on something that they're getting for 180, nor should they, right? It goes back to apples and apples. 
But if you were to bring to market another solution that actually fixes a more precise, relevant problem in a unique way, that's a different ballgame. Mm. Like, don't don't assume they're not ready to spend on a pomegranate just because they've only ever bought the Granny Smith. Yeah, just because they asked for an apple doesn't mean that they won't buy your pomegranate. That's right. Or And secretly crave it. They just don't know about the pomegranate yet. Right. Yep. Right. Good point. That's right. All right, we're at the final mistake or the final letter of timid AF. What's the F? Fairness. Fairness. This is the one where people's heads are going to explode and they're going to get all mad and say that you're an evil person. (laughs) That's right. And they're going to say, I'm a good person, Kevin. And as a good person, I am not going to rip off my market. I don't know what you're trying to say. I don't know what you're trying to teach but I believe in an honest day's wage for an honest day's pay. And the problem with that is that all of that perception of like honest and fair is, is only a result of our conditioning as kids. That's all it is. And if, you know, if daddy was a fireman who made a hundred thousand dollars a year, you know, then we believe that a good, honest, hardworking dad should make $100,000 a year. But if dad was an amazing father, an incredible husband, and was a hedge fund guy and made $3.8 million a year, we grow up thinking that, you know what? Good, honest, hardworking guys make about $4 million a year. <laughs> you know? I want, like, if, this is huge for people to get. Huge. So, yeah. like, I know this session has been really long, but screw it. I mean, say that again, because fairness, okay, tie it up real, real nice and articulate for us. Fairness, perspective, the whole dad thing. Say, just say it again, if you don't mind. No problem. Yeah. So our perception of fairness is hardwired into us from our upbringing. And I will say that as a high performance coach, what I learned after, you know, coaching dozens and dozens of men and women is that when you ask men and women who the most influential person in their life has ever been, 95% of the people have the same answer, whether they're male or female. And the answer is my dad. Mm -hmm. Women say it and men say it. The dad is the influencer, the most powerful influence in our life for all, for 95% of us. Yeah. Um, And whatever our dad earned tends to embed itself inside of our consciousness as being what is fair and honest for a hardworking man, especially if we respect and love our father. Then we say, okay, that's what a good person should earn. But I mean, your kids, Josh, will grow up believing that number is a pretty big number. You know, if you share with them some of the things that you're pulling off. Yep. And we do. Mark Zuckerberg. Mark Zuckerberg's little kid is going to grow up thinking that good, hardworking, you know, honest people should be worth about, you know, $50 billion. Right. Like, and, he's, and the kid's not wrong. You know, like this is the point is that, is that nobody is right and nobody is wrong. It's just a conditioning thing. It's just a conditioning thing. There is no objective truth. Oh, that is, that is such a Pandora's box right there. 
I agree with you 100%, but it's been so hard for me to understand that, you know, because I like to categorize things in little compartments and put a, a, a box, put it in a box and put a lock on it and be like, okay, this is the price. This is the blah, but, but it's not like that. It's more multidimensional. It's fluid. It, it ebbs and flows. You know, it, it's, it's, it's more art than it is science in a way. Um, so let's land the plane on this section if you're cool. So oh, we've cool. talked, you know, about the mistakes people make with pricing. Uh, Kevin said that the correct price of anything is a unicorn, meaning it doesn't exist. There's no such thing as a correct price. Uh, and then he talked about the seven mistakes of pricing being uh, using the acronym TIMID AF, which is really funny to me. And we have time, internal costs, market rates, insecurities, desired profit, assumptions, and fairness. This was a, like a masterclass on this. It's a lot. And believe it or not, everybody, we have more, right? And that's why I wanted to break these up. So we're going to, we're going to, I'll give Kevin the final word. We're going to wrap this one up and then we'll come back for another episode talking about mindset and everything associated with that. So final thoughts, Kevin? Yeah. Final thought is that uh, the number one step to liberating you to be able to charge what you truly are capable of creating in the market is to recognize that you've been doing it wrong and to falling and falling into one of these formulas. And again, it's not your fault. It's not because you're dumb. It's not because you're an idiot and it's not because, you know, you, you can't think straight or you're not a, a rational, logical human. None of those things are true. It's just that you've never been shown a different way. And you definitely haven't seen a role modeled within the industry. Um, so now that you are aware of, and I mean, if, if this was a live thing and we were able to ask people who are listening, you know, how many of these have you fallen into? I guarantee, Josh, that at least two or three of these are affecting every single person who's going to watch this. I think that's a very conservative estimate. I mean, I, I, I have a really good pulse on this industry because this is what I've done for so long now. And all of these things are happening every single day for most people, I would say. And I'd be confident saying it. There you go. So there good go. stuff. So. Let's wrap it up. We'll come back for a part three, everybody. Thank you, Kevin. Kevin. Uh, how do people connect with you? We didn't even mention that in the first one, but real quick, do you have like a website? Is there anything you're working on? Um, where do they go? Yeah. So if you, I have a weird name, Kevin Dubrowski is my name and Kevin Dubrowski.com is the, the best, easiest way to kind of Sure. See and what I'm up to we'll, and what I'm at. We'll make sure that we put links uh, below these uh, to a pricing workshop that you're going to be working on. And maybe That's in the right. next episode, right. we can talk a little bit more about that. And I'll make sure we put the right link if people want to check that out. So uh, you are awesome. We'll wrap it up and we'll be right back. If you're ready to go even deeper, go to Facebook and search for The Growth Vault. It's a free community with thousands of other business owners just like you. I'll see you next time on The Growth Vault.